The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black matt norlander is here with me and the 2021 champions classic it's in the books fun night inside the garden everything ended about an hour ago i'm back at my hotel if you're watching on youtube i apologize about the lighting this is <laughs> not equipped with great or even good lighting so i'm gonna have to start traveling with portable lights and and i will i, I promise Deadleg, meantime, he's still at MSG. Look how nice those lights are. You could be, hey, listen, a couple things here as we get rolling into these games. One, you could be here with me, but you left. You left. Two, not only did you leave, I'm in some sort of dressing room. I got a little bit of, <laughs> the acoustics are a little bit wonky in here. All right, quick, quick thoughts. Leftover pizza, half of it untouched. I went after it. Is this appropriate? Is this appropriate? I'm starving, man. I went into this. Good? Margarita style. I, I, I will tell you this. There was a time where I was staying in a, a, a hotel night before a game, and one of the teams, the visiting team, was staying in the same hotel, and I happened to be on the same floor as that team, and it appeared that um, they, had, had, they had ordered pizzas for the team, um, before it was bedtime. And as people tend to do with pizza boxes at hotels, they set them outside their door when they're done, regardless of whether they're empty or not. And I'd be lying if I told you I have never walked down the hallway to my room, spotted an open pizza box that still had a slice in it, and, and, and didn't grab it. I've done it. I've done it. Yeah, it's, it's got to be the go-to move here. I mean, we're after 1 a.m. on the East Coast. They got these tiny little soda cans, too. So I'm, I'm good to go with the good lights. You could be here with me, but we're going to roll like this. In fact, I think this is even better for the everyone watching on YouTube. Um, I think that's even more entertaining. And as we get going into this, just a quick, huge shout and thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the channel, watched it. You have beyond exceeded our expectations with that first episode that went to video. So for everyone watching now... We highly appreciate you, and we appreciate – see, here's the thing, Parrish. Mm. Like, more and more people watching the show know us from HQ, you from CBS Sports Network. We had some, uh, we had some listeners in the stands tonight. They were screaming oh, after us. They were screaming our names. Gary! <laughs> Dead leg! It's never, it was never once Gary Matt or Gary Norlander. It Incorrect. Was all- there was there were there were a few Norlanders. Then when I didn't respond, one gentleman 
started yelling above the din of the Duke Kentucky game dead leg uh, and I was actually filing a column I'm sorry to the gentleman I couldn't take a photo with but I was legitimately on deadline and I had to file a piece that was Patrick and if you ever uh, want to know who's the real man of the people of this podcast it's GP who will walk will leave his seat mid-game to go take uh, a photograph with someone who listens to the podcast and would like to take a photograph. I was there. If you were at MSG, I was there for you. Dead leg. He was too busy working, but I was a man of the people. So he's still dead leg is at MSG. Well lit, well lit Madison square garden. He's eating somebody else's pizza. And that's the building where uh, Kansas did beat Michigan state in the opener, 87, 74. And we're going to discuss that eventually. Uh, I promise you. Uh, but we're going to start with the nightcap, uh, Duke, Kentucky in front of a capacity crowd in Midtown Manhattan, the final score, Duke, 79, Kentucky, 71, five-star freshman, Paulo Bancaro took 11 shots, made seven of them finished with 22.7 rebounds, two steals, fellow five-star freshman, Trevor kills. He actually led the team in scoring with 25. So let's just start with this. Um, how impressed were you with Duke in the first game of, of Coach K's, do you hear about this, final season on the sideline? I'm so happy that we are informing a nation, by the way. Um, I think a lot of people really started to understand after this game was televised and ESPN caught wind of the news that we first broke that this would be his final, uh, his final season. I'll say this, Kentucky, and I said this on HQ in our postgame, Kentucky... Uh, Kentucky's got some room to improve here and there. We'll get to that in a second. Duke is, was probably underrated coming into the season. Now, that's easier to say after the fact. Kentucky played him well, but Ben Carroll was what I kind of thought he would be, right? Uh, Keels, if he's going to be that, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, after we were done, he's not going to be that. He's not going to average 25 points a game. You had Walker Kessler having six blocks a game, so I think anything is possible, okay? But no, if he's going to be that productive in like a clear 1B to Bancaro's 1A, then let's look out. I, I was able to catch the tail end of Krzyzewski's presser after we were done our HQ stuff. He equated him to a running back. Dude looks like a linebacker out there. A huge mismatch problem, just a bulky power guard, and I was highly impressed with Duke's ability, not just to win the way it won, because remember, Kentucky made a good push there, and it made it, weirdly enough, it made it when Bancaro had come back in the game because he dealt with cramps earlier in the game. Kentucky makes a big push. They get it tight. They get it to one possession. The Garden's just alive, kind of that moment we had been waiting for over the previous, like, three hours. It felt awesome. And then Duke was able to assault it kind of way. Like, first game in, GP, but evidence of, like, a really good team that can take that moment and just kill it. And they, they put Kentucky out, they put them away, and they win with a little bit of comfort there. Um, Kentucky looked like a top-five team in America tonight. And I, so my biggest takeaway is, is that. Uh, I mean, Duke looked like a top-five team in America tonight. Even though Kentucky gave them a good push, uh, I might have been a little too low on the Blue Devils heading into the season. Well, uh, casual basketball fans are uh, going to be shocked uh, because – this would be, according to them, the first time Duke has ever been underrated in the preseason. Never happened. Never happened before uh, the start of the 2021-22 season. They looked the part. You know, I wrote a column that published Tuesday morning 
maybe late Monday night, Tuesday morning. Who, who can tell the difference these days with this daylight savings time nonsense? What is it? I, I love what you look like as we're podcasting right now. What, what, like, what, so, what time is it right now? Look, look, you, you know, here's the truth. Before daylight savings time, my lighting was so good. Switch to daylight savings time. Now look at me. Look at me right now. <laughs> Seriously, look at you. So good. So good. Um, I wrote a column that published that, that, you know, sort of ended on the note that, hey, like, you know, we, we know where his final season will begin. Um, we don't know where it'll end, but it's not crazy to think it could be in New Orleans at the Superdome in the final four. And I've been saying that all summer, like since he, uh, he since he announced, you know, this plan to coach one more season and then walk away that, you know, Memphis enrolled in the number one recruiting class in the country. You know, Gonzaga enrolled the number one prospect in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. But there was only one team that enrolled three five-star freshmen. That was Duke. And Paulo looked the part. Trevor Kills looked the part. A.J. Griffin, interesting uh, on some level, like barely played. He only played 10 minutes. He was kind of a non-factor. Um, but they've got high-end, you know, high-end talent in that program. And then they've got, you know, enough quality non-veterans where um, – you know, they've always been on my list of teams that that appear good enough to to win six games in that bracket, to cut nets on that first Monday night in April. And so I wasn't surprised to see them, you know, perform to this level. And I don't think um, it was the byproduct of Kentucky just not being any good. Like, I think Kentucky's going to be fine. I just think they ran into tonight, the, the uh, John Calipari's Wildcats, and this doesn't happen too often. I think tonight they just ran into a team that's got more NBA players, a team that's just physically better, more talented, more gifted. Um, you know, there was some interesting stuff in in, in the box score. Um, you know, Duke only shot 7.7% from three, one of 13 from beyond the arc, and still won the game. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky shot 38.9% from three and lost the game. They were seven of 18. Uh, big free throw advantage from Duke. And no, I don't think that's a byproduct of poor officiating as much as I just think it's a byproduct of one team being physically overwhelming and and attacking the rim and another team not doing it nearly as much. You know, Oscar Shibwe got 17 points, 19 rebounds. That was a, um, a, a super productive debut in a Kentucky uniform for him. Um, but, you know, this doesn't always happen in basketball, obviously. But I thought the better team won tonight. I thought Duke was better than Kentucky um, throughout the entire preseason, and um, they they looked better than Kentucky in those forty minutes we just watched. They did, and uh, Shebway, he's going to have a few twenty rebound games this season. He was just a force on both ends. It wasn't enough, but man, was that inspiring um, from the Kentucky end of it because I was there for all of John Calipari's press conference, including. <laughs> So I had to write off the first game I wrote um, and uh, wrote off of uh, Kansas No Chai Baji, which we'll get to in a in a few minutes here. But I I didn't see I didn't see any of the first half basically. And what was interesting was that you know Keon Keon Brooks didn't play a ton in this game. I mean he had like 17 minutes, and that was I think less than Kentucky fans would have been expecting. So I asked John Calipari to basically explain why. And he called me out. He's like, and he said it, and he did it like in a, and he wasn't being malicious, whatever. He was like, he started trying to explain it. And he was like, did you, did you watch the game? 
I was like, actually, John, I was writing in the first half off the first game. So I didn't. So I'm genuinely curious as to what happened. And he said, listen, we, he could not guard Paulo Bancaro and, and Jacob Toppin did a, a better job. I think on the whole, um, after that assignment clearly was not going to work for Brooks there. Uh, but what I found interesting was how Bancaro, who get used to it, he's going to be a topic weekly on the show. He's phenomenal. He's awesome to watch. He is he is incredible to watch. He is just one of those guys. He is one of the guys. He, he steps into the college game, and it's like that. Like it is undeniable his capability, talent. He could play in the NBA right now, and so. To go up against Kentucky in the first game, and they were going to put Chibwe on Williams, and I understand why that makes a lot of sense there. Williams is a very talented big for for Duke, uh, but for Bancaro to not really have much of an issue whatsoever, like he had the cramps, and that weirdly, you know, uh, it was a, it was a weird wrinkle to the to the to the game when he had to leave for an extended period of time. Even Cal afterward didn't know why he had gone. He didn't know what the deal was, why he was out, and then he was informed that it was indeed uh, indeed cramps there. Um, Having now seen what we saw, like if I knew Ben Carroll was going to be that, let alone what Keels was, I would have picked Duke. I picked Kentucky to win. I own it. One of many incorrect game predictions coming to you on the Ion College Basketball Podcast this season. But if you're a Duke fan or just someone who loves college basketball and you went into this game thinking, like, I've heard so much about Ben Carroll, preseason first team All American. You know, Norlander was saying on a recent podcast, it's his pick to win National Player of the Year. Uh, what's it going to be? Well, you saw it. That's what we've been talking about. This is who this guy is. And Krzyzewski afterward in the presser, when I caught the tail end of it, was basically speaking to how special he can be. And even wait, like he, he Krzyzewski said, he is so much better now than he was even a month ago. Like the strides behind the scenes and practices that Ben Caro has made have been huge. Now he's just waiting on for him to be even a little more assertive and a lot more vocal. Say what you feel. Let us know. Um, and if that, if there's more to come, and he's going to become an even better player, which we both think that he will be, then then look out because Duke has a very high ceiling if Bancaro is going to be this player most of the season. Well, I mentioned earlier you because you said, "Hey, if Trevor Kills is going to be this," and I'm like, "He's not going to be this. He's not going to average 25 points a game." Um, I don't think 22 and seven is out of character for Bancaro at all. Like, I think he could do that. Yeah, you, know, I, I, you know, if you told me set the over under at 22 points per game, I'd probably take the under just because that's a big number for college basketball. But I'm not s- certain I would take the under. I mean, I, like he had these awesome moments tonight, but it felt like a pretty casual 22 and seven that he just went out and got. You know, he had the one uh, sort of, you know, caught it at the elbow. I, I, I retweeted the highlight, caught it at the elbow and you know, he's, he's, you know, creates a shot, step back, you know, and you forget like, this isn't just a tall guy. He's a big, he's 6'10", 250 pounds. Like how many people six foot 10, 250 pounds can make that play can make those moves and that shot. He's a uniquely gifted guy. And that's why um, we've been talking about him all off season, the way that we've talked about him. There's nothing he did tonight that surprised me at all. And the fact that Duke was able to, I don't want to say easily, because Kentucky did fight and they stayed in and, you know, for much of the game. But the way that Duke was able to control that, especially in the second half, without really getting anything from a projected lottery pick in A.J. Griffin, um, I think it just says a lot more about Duke than it says about Kentucky. And it says that, yes, 
in Coach K's final season, the Blue Devils are going to be a real factor at the tip top of the sport. And they do have a chance to to send him out on a walk off. You know, he could win his final game as a college basketball coach and, you know, go out as a national champion. I'm not predicting it, but I can certainly envision it. And um, if anybody was wondering whether his uh, imminent retirement uh, would be a storyline, well, it was unavoidable in the garden. You know, as I pointed out on CBS Sports HQ, you go to a basket, a Duke basketball game as a fan, you're not laying eyes on Mike Krzyzewski until about three minutes before the starting lineups are announced. That's when coaches uh, typically walk out. That's uh, customary. Uh, we were at halftime at Kansas, Michigan State, and here comes Mike Krzyzewski walking out the half court. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, yeah. It, it was a little bit of a weird scene, but like this is what this is how it's going to be. Um, he was honored by ESPN because this would be the final game he's coaching in the Champions Classic. So there it is, halftime Kansas, Michigan State, and the crowd's giving Mike Krzyzewski a standing ovation. Um, you know, uh, he's standing at midcourt sort of like, it felt a little odd, like, like he, you know, he doesn't want, I don't, I don't think he wanted to be there. And then halftime of Duke, Kentucky inside the arena on the screens. And I even asked Norlander while we were sitting there, cause I don't think Jumbotron is the, uh, is the proper term. I don't, what it, are, yeah, I, maybe Jumbotron, big screen, well, however you want to say it, but yes, something like I that. Think, I think one time somebody told me Jumbotron is a brand of, That's probably of, true. Yeah. of a big screen. So I don't know what we call those these days. Let's figure it out. Um, but the big screens on the scoreboard, you're not going to figure it out at this hour though, but go ahead. Let's just figure out what we're going to call these things and and settle on it and move on but on those big screens on the scoreboard that might actually be what they're called the big screens on the scoreboard <laughs> this feels, feels, that feels a little clunky that feels a little clunky the big screens on the scoreboard it was a like a 15 minute zoom call between bill self john calipari and tom Izzo talking about how great mike shishevsky is and how much he's meant to the sport and i promise you there is nothing they hated more than doing that Zoom, taping that Zoom call. I mean, they were all nice doing it and joking around, having a good time. Trust me. Just trust me. There is nothing. I, when, when their SIDs came to them and said, okay, here's what uh, the Champions Classic needs us to do. You, you, and you are going to get on a Zoom together and just talk about how great Coach K is for 15 straight minutes. Uh I, I I know at least one of them who probably wanted no part of that, but everybody played the the part really well. Yeah, that, that was, and there are some really funny parts on it. I don't know if that's going to be repurposed anywhere, uh, so people can watch it, or if that was only for I don't know inside the arena. I don't know, but the idea also that like Self and Cal were in Cal was at his home office. Self looked to be at his KU office. And then you got Izzo just sit in front of a green screen. Like it was a weird, it was a weird look, but they were, they went along with it as much as they needed to be. But it was also kind of weird, like to have those three honoring Mike Krzyzewski when he's not even out there. Cause Duke's in the locker room at halftime. I don't, I don't know the, the whole thing in the game before that, when Kay went out, he didn't like, you know, he didn't even flash a big grin. They gave him like uh, one of those like shadow boxes things, like um, uh, you know, just a thanks from ESPN. Like, hey, like something, is... like something you put in your attic. 
He, I, I actually thought to myself when they handed it to him, I was like, man, he's going to get a lot of this crap this year. Where is this thing going? Like, there's, is there any chance he's hanging this up in his house? I don't know. I can't tell you uh-huh. how many things like that I've gotten. Not, not because people have honored me. You just get, like, these weird things sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the type of thing I would ever hang on a wall. <laughs> it's the type of thing I'd put in an attic. Exactly. Um, but, hey, listen, story is Duke opened the season, looked really, really good, and they, uh, they've got a couple, a couple more good non-conference opponents. They're not loaded in the non-con, so they've got to play Ohio State on the road. They're going to play Gonzaga later this month as well. And those will be the opportunities we have a chance to, to talk about them. But they're not, they don't have a great non-con schedule. So it was important for them to get this win the way they got it. Real quick on Kentucky and some more takeaways from what uh, Cal said in the post-game presser there. He, he really harped on the fact that Sevier Wheeler, who played more than 38 minutes, that's something that cannot be repeated. He leaned on him too much. He was gassed at the end. I'm, if, if you're a Kentucky fan, I'm just guessing. This might not be the case, but I'm guessing if you watched that game as a UK fan, you were not thrilled with how long Wheeler was on the floor and how often the ball wound up being in his hands, sometimes out of necessity, sometimes, you know, might have forced the issue a little bit too much there. Although they weren't brutal with turnovers, uh, Kentucky wasn't. Cal mentioned that it was it was only 13. Uh, Duke had nine. But I still I still like a lot of the pieces there. Um, you didn't get as much out of Ty Ty as, as the hope was going to be. I'd say Chibwe was what, he was better than I thought he would be. That is just who he is going to be, without a doubt. Um, but Cal stuck to his word. He said he thought he might only play seven guys real minutes. That wound up being the case. Toppin, Wheeler, Washington, Grady, Shibway, um, Davion Mintz, and Keon Brooks were the only players that earned double-digit minutes there. And it's a work. it is a work in progress, no doubt. I'm not really fading Kentucky all that hard because I do think this was more about Duke finding ways to win the way that it did. Um, but man, it was uh, it was nice to at least see some want to uh, from Kentucky to make that push because it got there was a minute there where I thought, man, this is going to be a blowout. This is going to be just like the way that the KU MSU game ended. But it wasn't that eight point spread at the at the end of it. But Cal, he was not he was not that concerned afterward, and nor should he be because it's just the first game of the season. It's not new to this rodeo or anything like that. But um, coming off a nine win season, it would be understandable if maybe there would have been a little bit more of uh, frenzy or urgency on behalf of Cal. And here's what I know we can fix and what we need to fix. It was, he was just, he was perfectly relaxed, although he did close out his presser. He, they referenced the bottle of Pappy Van Winkle that the three of them gave to Kay, although Cal threw the other two under the bus and said they didn't pay for the, pay for the bottle. And then he ended the presser by saying, I think I need some bourbon right now too. Don't think he was going after that, but, uh, but yeah, that's what, those are my thoughts on Kentucky. I, I think they will be okay. I think, I think this will be a ranked team most of the season, and I don't have too many concerns after they lost the way they lost. I think they'll be okay. I mean, and, and, I mean like, and by okay, I mean good. But, but like, the, the thing I noticed about Kentucky, and you mentioned Wheeler, it is true, UK only had 13 turnovers. He had seven of them. And he is noticeably small on the court. Um, and that means that even when he gets into the lane, there's only so much he can do. You know, he, he's not finishing at the rim over these guys, uh, over Duke level front court players, or really even over Duke guards. He's just not going to finish at the rim. And so there were times when he got in the lane and he got blocked, or he got in the lane and then he had to dribble right out of the lane. 
because there's nothing he can do when he gets in there. Um, that's an issue. Um, I, I agree with, with, I, I don't, I don't know if John said this exactly, but like they can't lean on him that much. He ain't that, he ain't that guy. And the thing that stood out to me about Kentucky is I like a lot of those players. There's some really good college players on that team of the guys they relied on in this first game. How many of them are playing in the NBA? Remains to be. Ty Ty, Ty will play in the NBA. I'm not sure. I'm not certain about anybody else. And that's an unusual thing for, for Kentucky. And it did stand out in this uh, season opening loss against Duke. It won't be a problem against everybody, but I do think it was a problem against Duke. So moving on uh, in the opening game of the champions classic, it was Kansas 87, Michigan state 74. And we'll get into that one next, but first check this out. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So in the opening game of the Champions Classic, it was Kansas 87, Michigan State 74, and the star for KU it was not the preseason Big 12 player of the year. It was Ochai Abaji. Got a game-high 29 points. I'll give you credit, Deadleg. I'll give you credit. You have said all along that Abaji would be the Jayhawks' best player. And in the opener, he clearly was. No doubt about it. Remy Martin was the preseason pick for Big 12 player of the year. I actually heard a little... Uh little discussion about that before the game that kind of that kind of threw some people off uh, around the league and around KU's program um, because here's a guy that's new and self didn't talk on this specific point in the post game but he did say this idea that like you're a really good player at a power conference program and you tr- and you know you're one of the highest profile transfers and that you automatically are be- going to be awesome at your new spot that's something that you have to uh, may come to fruition. It just automatically doesn't happen most of the time there because uh, he got to talking about Remy a little bit. And Remy and Abaji were the two Kansas players in the post-game press conference there. And they both um, they both were wonderful in terms of explaining uh, the game, how they approached it. R- Remy was you know, very complimentary of Abaji because let's be honest here, Remy Martin definitely ha- carries a reputation for being someone who is ball dominant, needs a lot of usage, and he could shoot you in or out of games at Arizona State. And afterward, on Tuesday night, uh, he said, you know, I'm not coming in here to, you know, make sure that I got to get all mine, get all my touches. I'm here to, uh, to you know, to be a part of this program, to kind of to earn that. And I thought that was very impressive for Martin because Abaji was the guy. He was the dude, and he's going to be the dude. He's going to be their best player. I got a little bit of one-on-one time with Self afterward, and 
the first thing he said to me was, I, th- I thought this was going to be a first to 65 affair, which is what I kind of thought too. He was surprised. What's wild is if you're a Kansas fan, here's the really, really good news. You scored 87 points. And Bill Self told me and a few reporters afterward, I, I don't know what my team is yet. We didn't play exceedingly well tonight. And there, there's still a lot to go. And it was not like, Bill's not the kind of coach to throw that out there as kind of just like not, not to have it not mean anything. He was specifically explaining how I don't even know my rotations yet. When I'm taking uh, Yosefu off the floor, do I, should I be putting Martin in with the lineup I have out there? What do I want to go with? It was interesting to hear him kind of lay out the whole roster and how he's still learning. And it's going to take a little more time, but man, Obaji, he admitted he came really, really, really close to not returning to school, going pro. And he said, no, I made, I made the right decision. And self had told uh, me and a few other reporters, you know, he heard from NBA evaluator, you're not going to be drafted. You're not ready. You're, you need to return to school. Some guys would not listen to that regardless. He did. He's now way more aggressive. Self was harping on the fact that he drew seven fouls. And this is something that last year's Abaji and certainly two years ago, that was never happening. So he's got um, an aggressive alpha type streak that he's developing into. Cause he almost said he, sometimes on the floor, he's too sweet. He's greatest young man off the court. And then when you get on the court, sometimes he's too sweet. He's tapping into that. He's a senior and he's a really, really good story. And because of the way Duke played in Bancaro and Keels played, they're going to overshadow it a little bit. Kansas is the highest ranked team in this building on Tuesday night. They earned that preseason ranking. And yeah, I'm standing by Abaji. I'm I t- just telling you, he's going to be an All-American. And I thought he'd be a top 10 player in America this season. And I don't know if that'll come true, but he looked that part on Tuesday night, guiding the win over Michigan State in convincing fashion. I was impressed by Remy Martin in the post-game press conference um, because he said a lot of interesting things. You know, he, he he was asked about, you know, not being the guy, if indeed he's not the guy. And he said, listen, I came here to win, um, you know, and I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he more or less said, sometimes at my previous school, he would never, he never said Arizona State, but he said, sometimes at my previous school, sometimes at my previous school, the best option for us was for me to just go. But I'm surrounded by better guys here. He did say that. That's not a quote, but that is certainly, he said some version of that. I'm surrounded by better guys now. And you might not need me to do that. If I'm not going and, and Ochai is, then like I need to get him the ball. Um, you know, if McCormick's consistently sealing his man, I need to get him the ball. You know, he, he more or less said, I didn't come here to score points. I'll do it. And I can. And oh, by the way, he did have 15 um, in his, you know, Kansas debut. But he was really, you know, hitting all the right notes on what it is he's trying to accomplish at Kansas, uh, which is win. And if that means win a Big 12 title, go to a Final Four as the second leading scorer on his team. He seemed, at least in this moment, like somebody who's very happy to be the second leading scorer on his team, on his team if that's what it comes to. On the other side, uh, there just wasn't much good stuff from Michigan State. I mean, we had talked about that new backcourt um, being a reason to be optimistic, and it still might be, but woo, uh, wasn't much there uh, in this opener. Tyson Walker was held to, you know, he's the transfer from Northeastern who averaged like 19 a game last season. 
He got two points on three shots. Max Christie, the five-star freshman, three of 10 from the field, nine points. So Michigan State starting guards were four of 13 from the field. Um, that That's not good enough. And it's among the reasons now Tom Izzo's now on a, on a three-game losing streak dating back to last season. Lost to Maryland, lost to UCLA, and now lost to Kansas. Um, I do think Michigan State will be fine, but they got to get more from those guards, and Kansas just completely made those guards ineffective. They did. I was able to uh, talk with Izzo one-on-one uh, -on -one for about six or seven minutes. We walked down to the team bus, and he... Man, I I didn't know. Sometimes, like Tom, after a game, after a loss, he'll uh, he'll kind of wear it on his sleeve a lot and um and give you a lot on the record that some coaches wouldn't. But he wasn't like this at all. I was he was he was he was almost Calipari esque in terms of his mood. Maintains that Max Christie is he's gonna figure it out. And he's gonna be the guy. He will be the most important player on this team. And Tyson will get it together. There are things that he like. He wants to see more um, assertiveness from Bingham in the post. There was a there was a sequence there where Bingham missed a three and then I think Abaji either got an and one or got a three on it. It but it flipped it. Like the 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 margin could have been 5 and I think it went to 11 and he pointed that out as one of the one of the big key moments there in the second half. But he also said he thinks this team will be a fantastic foul shooting team and that just was not there. Uh, was not evident on Tuesday night there, but he's not, he's not concerned. He's not concerned about this idea that they squeaked into the tournament last season, lose to UCLA in the first four in OT. And they're, you know, it might, might this linger in terms of the Spartans being in that bubble kind of conversation. Doesn't think that's the kind of team he has. Uh, he's got a lot of depth. There's still plenty to learn. He actually echoed what self had said in terms of how much there still is to know and to grow and to learn about this roster and substitutions and lineups and what they can do. And he said, you know, from a, from a guard play standpoint, we were outmatched clearly tonight. Um, and that wound up being more of a factor than he anticipated, but no real fretting. I didn't know what I was going to get from him, but he was in, he was in good spirits. And I, and I think sometimes these coaches, when they've got good talent, they've got to see, especially like hall of fame level coaches, coaches that have been around, doing this job 15, 20, 25 years, they'll almost, they develop this sense about the group they have, obviously the systems they run, and they know that in November, first few weeks of the season, that's not going to be what the team is and what they can be by, say, Christmas time, early January. And I kind of get that feeling with Michigan State. Could be a group. And Izzo's had these kind of teams before. They were just highly ranked early in the season where it kind of starts slow. They find their momentum, and then they're skiing downhill, and they, they've really got a groove there. We'll wait and see if that's the case. But Christie and Walker are going to have to be better. I just I think all around, there's so much potential with so many different guys. Like Gabe Brown, got to be a little bit better overall. They just happened to catch a KU team that's, you know, also got – really good experience, really good players. And it was, it was an off night. They didn't shoot well. And so that, that was the story there with Sparty, but um, I still maintain where I had him in the preseason. Like, I don't think this is a top 25 team this season and they didn't show that, but I do think they'll make the tournament and, uh, and eventually get better than what we saw here on Tuesday. They will be removed from my top 25 and one. I had them 24th in the free preseason, but you know, if you're going to get, you know, overwhelmed by a, uh, I don't think we've made this note yet. We've made it on a previous quite shorthanded Kansas and missing right. Jalen Wilson, you know, shorthanded Kansas. Um, 
you know, overwhelmed Michigan State. So I'll remove them from the top 25 and one, and I'll remove one other team from the top 25 and one. It was the only team on Tuesday night that is ranked, that lost to an unranked team. It's your Virginia Cavaliers. And if you go back and listen to our ACC preview, one of the points I made was that there is no scenario this roster would be ranked without it being connected to Tony Bennett. If you were ranking this team, and I did it, and AP voters did too, um, you're only doing it because Tony Bennett is the coach. You're only doing it because they wear Virginia uniforms, because the roster looks way unimpressive. And then they went out in their opener, and they lost to Navy, and they were behind the whole game. It wasn't like Navy shot, you know, uh, 73% in the second half and, and got past them. Navy just beat them for 40 minutes. And so that was uh, among the more interesting uh, uh, developments, outcomes, uh, results from the opening night of of the college basketball season. Just a few others before we get out of here. St. Mm-hmm. Bonaventure was in a fight with Sienna, but ends up winning like 75-47. They outscored them 39-15 in the second half. What? Hold on. Did you see there? I didn't even hear the score. I didn't know that was the end. They were in a fight and the, the final margin was that large? Yeah, uh, they were down for much of the first half huh. fight. Perhaps fight is overstating it, <laughs> but they were in a real game. And then they just ran away from them in the second half. Yeah. Arkansas was down eight at the half. The Mercer comes back and wins by double digits. Houston went to overtime against Hofstra comes back and, and, and wins the game. I mean, they were, they were down like, with two minutes to go, it looked like, oh boy, they ain't coming back from this one. And then they somehow, obviously I wasn't watching it, but they got it to overtime and then they, they controlled overtime. So those were some, uh, some ranked teams that, that got scared in addition to Virginia being upset, uh, just popping through some mm-hmm. individual performances that stood out. Chet Holmgren made his debut for the top ranked Zags and was awesome 14 points 13 rebounds seven blocks six assists what i know it was just dixie state but still that's a 14 points 13 rebounds seven blocks six assists you don't see you don't see those stat lines too often in college basketball justin moore at villanova made six three-pointers had 27 points and a win over mount st mary's amani bates made his college debut for memphis 17 points four assists four rebounds if you haven't seen the behind the back step back three go check out that highlight he showed the shot making ability that got him on the cover of sports illustrated at the age of 15 looked really good ej liddell got 25 points 11 rebounds for ohio state they were in a fight with akron end up getting a one point win uh kennedy chandler the five-star freshman my little homie from memphis who's at tennessee four four from three night uh, uh four four from three got 20 points and went over ut martin uh, Wendell Green Jr. Do you even know Wendell Green Jr.? I know Wendell Moore Jr. And he had I, a decent night here for Duke. Wendell Green Jr. transferred from Eastern Kentucky at Auburn. He made three threes, got 19 points, uh, helped led Auburn to win over Moorhead State. And then I guess the play of the night, Tyson Etienne. Yes. <laughs> Game winning three from the logo. Dude. At Wichita, in Wichita State gets past Jacksonville State. The logo at Coke Arena? What? Shot it from the shock. The wheat shock. From the wheat shock. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to do it if you didn't. Um, I, I don't want to say big win for Wichita State, but kind of a critical one. Can't be dropping that game on your home floor. We saw some 
some nerves out there nationally. There's a few more I'm going to mention here, uh, upsets and non-upsets uh, that you didn't touch upon as we wrap the pod. I'm glad we're going to – I want to get – because there's – aside Champions Classic's the big headline, but there was some other stuff there. Um, credit to Ohio. Uh, Jeff Bowles, Ohio coach, found me on uh, – he was texting me during the middle of Duke, Kentucky, uh, asking for love for uh, for his Ohio team. They beat Belmont 92-80. to 80. Uh, That was a home game for Ohio. Big-time statement win. For Ohio, I had Belmont as a preseason top 40 team, so I got to take a, I got to take a mark for that. Um, how about this with the ACC? You mentioned Virginia. It was a bad night for the ACC. Georgia Tech lost at home to Miami, Ohio, and Pitt lost to the Citadel. And credit to Pat Forty from Yahoo. He said it's the first Navy victory over a ranked team since David Robinson played there 30 five years ago. So I got a couple more results I'll get to, but just quick, quick react, react GP ACC. You're a good thing. Duke won. You're dropping three games to mid and low majors on opening night. And, and they're not roadies. Obviously they're all the home games. It's a bad look for that league. Kick them out of the power five. It looks okay. like might be time to kick them out of the power five, make them a one bid league. <laughs> they have to move the ACC tournament. A week earlier. You have, now you have to compete with the MAC tournament now. You don't get to play the same week as, as the Big Ten tournament and the SEC tournament. You have to move the ACC tournament a week earlier. You're now mid-major league. It's a problem. Um, notable upset. Chattanooga beat Loyola Marymount at LMU. And that Chattanooga was sub-150. LMU was considered top 70 in Ken Palm. So, um interesting uh, result there overall, but I think you pretty much covered it. The Virginia, the Virginia loss was, I mean, that's problematic. Oh, there was one more. That's right. Cal, the first big, you won't call it big Cal lost by 13 at home to UC San Diego. Cal entered the day a hundred at Ken Palm. UC San Diego was two ninety two. Okay. And Washington lost at home. 7164 to Northern Illinois. I knew there was two more. I just couldn't see them on my document here. Like, not so good for the Pac-12 either here. Washington had a horrendous season last season. Opens the season. Northern Illinois has a new coach. Now, granted, um, Rashawn Bruno was an assistant at Arizona State last season. He's the NIU coach, so he's familiar with the program to a certain still new coach, almost an entire new roster. 326 in Ken Palm, winning at Washington, 101 at Ken Palm entering the night. That's rough. I, I you're kicking. You're kicking Cal and Washington out of the Power Five too, I presume. Well, the whole league, um, except for UCLA, they get to have they, UCLA gets to be its own conference, the UCLA conference. <laughs> it's a UCLA conference, and then the rest of the Pac-12, um, they they have to get involved in a ACC Pac-12 challenge so we can figure out how to get how to get some of these teams some wins. <laughs> they have to play each other. Yeah, they, it they, was they, actually, yeah. they can't I mean, play. Like, they can't play traditional mid majors because that doesn't work out. So let's take the ACC and the Pac-12. Create a challenge because you ready? You ready? Follow logic here. Somebody has to win. In theory, that's got to happen. Uh, but uh, yeah, I did want to wrap the pod by mentioning those games. I ha I'm happy you did because we were obviously everything was Champions Classic related here in terms of what we wrote on the site. Side note, do go to CBSSports.com and the CBS Sports app to read GP's column off Duke and Kentucky. I wrote off of Ochai Abaji and Kansas and the Michigan State game. 
but it was noisy. Like we had some power conference teams losing games that uh, it's, it's ugly. And we'll keep an eye on if Wednesday or Thursday bring anything more with that. And if they do, and they're worth talking about, we will talk about them on the Friday morning podcast. Uh, but yes, those did catch my eye. It was, to me, it was a little noisier for opening night than I thought it would be, but that's, that's all the more fun. And uh, just a heads up uh, next podcast, we'll both be in hotel rooms. I did not buy lights, so I don't know what my – it's not going to be your situation right now because it's going to be morning time out on the West Coast when I'm at Gonzaga when I'm doing this. But GP will be well lit. I might be semi-lit. But your next podcast is coming to you Friday, and as always, on video. Reminder, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube. The, descri- the description for this episode, there will be a link. Go ahead, go over, watch. We appreciate everyone. There were a lot of good comments on that first episode, and uh, we took notice – our bosses took notice. You have been all phenomenal. And to, uh, to anyone and everyone that stayed up late to watch this or, or, or got it done on podcast, we, uh, we appreciate you so much. They're probably going to kick me out of this room at some point or they're just going to lock that door. Behind. Literally, someone just opened the door. You're good. You're good. Literally, someone just opened the door going to check in like, what is happening? No one's allowed to be at the garden this late. So I think I got to start packing up soon. Oh, and I got to I got to finish this pizza too, GP. You want to? You want to wrap this puppy? You have no idea how much I want to wrap this puppy. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Torian Prince, actual legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and please, like Deadleg said, uh, go check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Just type Ion College Basketball in the search engine. It'll pop right up. Hit that bell button so you get alerts when a new video drops. Smash that like button. <laughs> Smash it. You have consent? You have consent from that like button? That like button has consented? Smash it because that's important too, I'm told. Please go do those things. Help us get that YouTube channel off the ground and we're going to talk to you again on friday morning and you're not going to believe how well that i am on friday morning it's going to be amazing talk to you then till then take care okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.